What about Santa? Fuck Santa. everybody welcome to solid six movie podcast this is episode 41 you are listening to part two of our holiday themed double feature mm. my name is brady kimball and i'm joined by josh griffith season's <laughs> greetings everyone mm. and allison dirty d double d de grazio double d wow okay this is just uh we're upgrading <laughs> week by week on this one <laughs> i've noticed we're kind of in a nice little pocket Compared to last week's kind of manic energy. I like this. It oh, feels you mean, cozy. You mean we're not drunk? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> not hoisted <laughs> going in. Uh, well, today we'll decide who's been naughty or nice as we discuss planes, trains, and auto erotic asphyxiation. What? Cool. Nice. Which movie did you watch? Yeah. <laughs> the Dominatrix one. Didn't we talk? <laughs> we all watched the wrong movie? Heck. Santa's paws. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sorry. That's a that's a different podcast. My apologies. No. Today, I thought picking a movie meant for the whole family would be an appropriate compliment to last week's prestige pick where we covered casting John Bonet, which we highly recommend you check out. So, we're busting out our cosmic telescope and our magic eye to take a look at 1959's children fantasy boom movie, Santa Claus, a.k.a. Santa Claus versus the Devil. We'll definitely be white-knuckling it today for sure. Oh, God. Yep. But first, I want to check in with the cast. How you feeling? Are you? Do you have any traditions that you're uh, you're in the middle of, or you're kind of missing based on COVID, or what's what's the deal? Traditionally, I go back east to visit my family. Uh, my sister lives in Pittsburgh, and uh, that's that's usually where I would be about this time of year. But obviously, pandemic and everything, I am uh, having a more chill vibe, stay at home uh, Christmas vacation. Did your family ever do like we open gifts on Christmas Eve? Christmas morning. Christmas morning. Okay. Typically, the way it goes is my dad will fire up a mess of uh, flapjacks. Hell yeah. Those are pancakes in America. <laughs> and uh, some other kind of like big breakfast thing. We eat breakfast and then we basically sit around in pajamas and open up presents. We open up presents one at a time. Mm-hmm. Basically like a presentation while everyone's taking turns opening up one present. Oh, yeah. That's how we did it. Yeah, in my we family. do that. We do that. Oh, really? Okay. Because mm-hmm. I've I've also been in you know where everyone just 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 ravages the Christmas tree and just rips everything apart in a frenzy. I would prefer that because I, I I'm I don't know why, but I get extremely uncomfortable mm-hmm. opening gifts in front of people because they're judging your reaction. Yeah, I like. Yeah, I guess so. I I get um I get super weird about it. So do I. Okay. Just so just disassociate like I do. <laughs> <laughs> We've been watching The Christmas Story for the eighth time this morning. <laughs> Tell me about it. I'm not super into that movie. Are yeah. you The Christmas Story? I think it's... Pr- I I would still watch it. I think probably it's because I saw it so many times. And then it had this like cult resurgence, like heavy cult resurgence mm-hmm. in the early 2000s. Yeah. So I think collectively, we're just all taking a break. Thanks, Ted Turner. <laughs> TBS and TNT single-handedly yeah. resurrected that movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um. The one that doesn't get enough credit is I love the OG cartoon Grinch. Oh, yeah. yeah which you yeah. can never find. There's only the elf and the Jim Carrey one now. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's fine. It's fine. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. Revisionist history is not okay by me. I just want the one that rhymes. 
Can we take a moment to appreciate Allison's t-shirt right now? Yeah. Uh, I'm sure most of our listeners know Monster Trucks. So other than the... Um, what's the Sasquatch? Their Sasquatch? It's Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Thank you. But Bigfoot is like one of like the original famous ones. Yes. Yeah. I'm assuming that Gravedigger is the nemesis to Bigfoot. Back in the day, back in the 80s, okay. like when that was a thing. Uh, but I would say that Gravedigger is kind of like the superstar right now. Yeah, it does. Oh, like right now. Yeah, right now. Like oh, Bigfoot right, had its... Oh, yeah. When, yeah. We, went, when, when, we... when we went to Monster Jam last time, like like Gravedigger got the strongest audience response for sure. Well, because, I mean, it was like Gravedigger was the one for like all through the 90s. Yes. I remember. What? So, I don't know Bigfoot. What's the one that has the big like tusks? Oh, Which car is that? Okay, that, there's the there's like the Longhorn yeah, or something on, Josh, like that. Drop I, it. I don't remember. There's there's all these new trucks that I don't know about. Well, and you know, and then they had all the action figures too. But like yeah. Grave Digger was like yours. You know, that was your shit. Well, neo gothic. Yeah. Oh, so you you walked in the house and I was like, Halston's not really into metal. No. That, but but your shirt, which highlights the Grave Digger monster truck. And the Grim Reaper has like a nice metal vibe to it. Well, I would like, yes, it does. Mm-hmm. I would like to emphasize that for Valentine's Day one year, Josh got tickets to Monster Truck Show mm-hmm. and then f- found this shirt, which is vintage on eBay. And it's like, it's like a boy's medium and bought it for me. Nice. Yes. It was just the coolest shirt that I could find of a Monster Truck related theme yes. that was in her approximate size category. Yes. And it was it was poking out of my closet today like, Hi, Fran. Yeah. <laughs> Do you feel like being a little bit darker today? Why don't you slip me out? <laughs> Pretend that you're a lot harder than you actually are. So uh, back to the Christmas conversation or back to the Christmas movie thing. Uh-huh. Something that would happen in my family is we would have the brunch, we would open presents, and then we would there would be like this delay of game where we would meet with other family members later on. And oftentimes there was a time for a movie in between, like after everyone's had their presence and everyone's full of food and just kind of comatose on the couch, we watch a movie before going out. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes that was for my family, uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. That was a big hit in our household. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes it was a it was a totally non-Christmas related movie. I think I remember watching Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves like eight times, like on a Christmas day. Is that the Kevin Costner one? Yes. Nice. Yeah, Morgan Friedman, Kevin <laughs> I, Costner. I could see your Christian mom just Slater, going like, excuse me. Christian Slater. Alan Rickman, excuse me. Alan, Alan Rickman, Rickman is, is amazing. Yeah, yeah, he's the sheriff of Nottingham. Oh, look at me. Look at me. I love it. I can't do it, a Rickman. Ah, <laughs> I oh, oh, get out of my Rickman. So other than <laughs> a, a Christmas story, did you guys have any like the Christmas Day movies? No, I want to like our Christmas tradition is like, the tradition we did have for a long time, and now it's just kind of a soup. I don't think anything's going on. But my, when we were still living in the Bay Area, my brothers would drive up. They We would get up and have like an enormous breakfast, mm. open presents one at a time. Yep. But like be housed on mimosas very quickly. And my mom would make like gigantic. My mom made the best spreads, like huge waffles and like fruit and bacon and just yeah. everything. Um, And then... My brothers and I would just proceed to drink and drink and drink. And I remember specifically one time, uh, one of my brothers and I were sitting on the couch and we hear this like weird sloughing, like gurgling sound behind us. And we turn around and it's my oldest brother, like whole eating, like whole mouth, just putting pumpkin pie, like in without chewing. Like hurking it down like a duck. 
<laughs> and we turn around basically to the sound of him choking. <laughs> but yeah, so it was that. It was it was TV, but just just so much drunk. That's awesome. And now now it's like um, I don't know that there is a tradition. I also haven't been down yeah. for Christmas in two years, so I'm not sure if there's a tradition anymore. Except for, you know, pseudo uncomfortable family dinners that end up being really fun, but like a little tense, but like, but like fun, fun tense in a weird way. The entire time or it thaws over the evening? It thaws over the evening, but we, yeah, red wine. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks you before (laughs) me. Yes. (laughs) What about you, Brady? Well, all sorts of traditions. I mean, my favorite inane one was the going to get the Christmas tree from the Christmas tree lot which takes a grand total of five minutes. Uh And so, you know, my siblings and I were spread out at least about an hour's drive from each other, but it's like, hey, let's congregate into the single Christmas tree lot that was run by a guy named Jim. And Jim and my dad love to talk to each other for the five minutes that we were all there. And you go out with your hands on your hips and you're like, that one, I want that one. And then some, you know, 16-year-old blonde boy comes out and grabs the tree and nets it up and gets it all ready to go. Perfect. And we all take a photo and then... My siblings and I text each other and they're like, this is such a fucking waste of our fucking team. <laughs> I used to get like weirdly emotionally attached to our Christmas trees when I was a kid. Really? Like, I used to keep their price tags and like little jewelry boxes. The actual tags of the trees or the yeah. ornaments? Oh, wow. No, the, the tag for the tree. Oh, I would, wow, I would, cool. so did you guys go out and cut your own or did you just like no, buy them in a lot? Or we what? just got them in a lot. Okay. But I was like, I was like, you are like, I was like giving it reverence for its sacrifice for our Christmas joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I, but I got weirdly emotionally attached for Christmas trees. Cool. Also, it's just like they smell so good. They mm-hmm. do. For sure. My mom was super territorial about decorating because she's, I mean, granted, she's exceptional at it. So she would just be like, nobody touch the goddamn tree until I get home. Yeah. <laughs> Same with my mom. Same with, yeah, absolutely. Picture a perfect tree. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, Christmas Day or Christmas Eve, we'd watch National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which let me tell you, that movie holds up. We watched it last year, Capri and me. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it uh, actually aging into the age that Clark W. Griswold is, mm, is mm-hmm. uh, given that movie a fresh perspective. That's yeah. uh, very surprising. Yeah. How good it is. Maybe we need to watch that. Have you not seen it? I don't think so. I've never seen it in its entirety. Oh, dude, it's the your, it's your Randy Quaid, Shitter's Full, I, all that. I, that's I just, an Allison movie to a T. Yeah. I, I know like the, the weird, like, I learned to kiss from my dad or like, my dad says I'm a great kisser. Is that the same movie? <laughs> oh, the little girl? Yeah. Is when that the she's same like, movie? She's like eight years old or yeah. 10 years old or something. Like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I just remember that part. I don't remember that part. <laughs> <laughs> my mom would make all kinds of different Christmas cookies. The base level is like a, is a sugar cookie. That's got smooshed in in the middle with a Hershey's Kiss pressed into it. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that cookie has a name or not. I don't know. And rum balls. Did, mm-hmm. did you guys... Excuse me, what? Did, you know rum ball? <laughs> no. Really? No, oh, oh, rum. Like a ball with rum in it. Like a chocolate ball with rum, yeah. rum in it? Okay. That's yeah. it. Sorry. Yeah. I was... Maybe it. I don't know. That's, yeah, what, that's yeah. what I always call them. Cool. They're, yeah, they're good. My mom... I guess I'm just lazy. Truly. Like, I, I was I like, I'm going to like... I'm gonna, like do fucking Christmas this year and then I just sit on the couch and play Stardew Valley still uh, I was it's thinking about that like the game that keeps on giving I mean listen I was 1.15 th- patch is coming out soon <sighs> PC first consoles early next year do they have any for console any what 
patches? Oh, yeah. You're, I think you're on 1.13 or 1.14, yeah. Ugh. Added banana trees last time. There's fucking banana trees? Yeah. You got to upgrade your game, yo. God damn it. Okay. I'm doing that the minute we get home. But anyway, back to Christmas cookies. That's something that I was was like trying to be like, I'm just going to like make it like a surprise Christmas house and just like be fucking Martha Stewart about it. I haven't done anything. It's okay. I just, it could smell really good in the house. It smells good. Better. It's it been a year. It's been a year. I mean, you saw on the mantle upstairs, we have a reindeer and two little Christmas trees and a string of lights this year. Like you, have like, you have like 1983 Christmas trees up there. They're awesome. Like yes. the resin cut Christmas mm-hmm. trees. Mm-hmm. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. But we usually do a tree and ornaments and all that jazz. Not this year. Fuck 2020. Yeah. Arts is so disco balled out. Ah, I can't wait to see it. You saw it last time you were over. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> Next time. Great. I just stare through things. Okay. <laughs> I noticed nothing different. It's a giant fucking tree in the living room. This is nice. Anyway, back to Jean Bonnet. <laughs> You know. have me pegged. <laughs> uh, did you guys watch anything fun this week? Some are awesome. Some are less awesome. The one that really comes to mind is a Death Machine from 1994. <laughs> uh, this is a... I don't know if you would call this a cyberpunk movie or not. It's it's kind of cyberpunk. It's sort of like a futuristic technology, dystopian kind of thing. Chank Industries is building the world's perfect killing machine. We've all kind of seen this before. It's kind of like a... Uh, I would describe it very self-aware because of all the sort of in-movie jokes that it makes of a um, Terminator meets Alien kind of plot mm-hmm. where it's a robotic killing machine, but then it's kind of like loose off of its off of its chain kind of thing. Anyway, uh, some notable people. The guy who directed it, Stephen Norrington, he made Blade. That was his next movie that he made after this. Damn. So uh, real, real strong second effort there. And then he followed it up with Leave Extraordinary Gentlemen, which was an absolute oh. garbage fire. That was, I, I love that comic book series. And it was a terrible movie. I watched that movie for like my 14th or 15th. Like I got a whole bunch of friends together and we all went to go see it. And it was, it was that moment, like one of the very first moments in my movie viewing life where I was like, is this a terrible movie? <laughs> as you're leaving the theater. Yeah. As like, as like a, you know, a, a young teenager just going like, I think I hated that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's pretty hateable. Yeah. Um, yeah, particularly considering how strong the source material was. But that's my axe to grind there. Before uh, before the show, uh, Josh used the acronym LXG, which shows how much of a fan he was of the comics. Because if you actually read the initials out loud, it's LEG. But X is clearly an insider. Like, So the... The the series has always been League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Mm-hmm. The end. Yep. Uh, but they try to do this like slick young people marketing thing with the movie version. So like you know like uh uh like Terminator Two was T Two, mm-hmm. Too Fast, Too Furious, stuff like that. Yeah. So they try to like make the they knew that League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was a verbose title for a mm-hmm. movie, and they tried to shorthand it so it'd be cool with the hip kids. That's true. Which is a huge fail. They also did a bunch of stuff where they kind of wrecked the storyline, changing the guts of it so they could center the story around Sean Connery's character rather than the vampire woman. I'm a big nerd for this stuff, but 
I have to make a correction. Mm. And people are going to be so upset with me. Let's hear it. I was thinking of mystery men. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah. When you when you brought it up. And I, I was mean, like, yeah, that Ben Stiller movie fucking like sucked <laughs> enormous balls. Uh, um, but anyway, so uh, never mind. Okay. Yeah. Now, uh, LXG came out in the early 2000s, correct? I don't remember exactly. That sounds right, though. Yeah, because yeah. that's okay. So this, this like makes sense. This makes sense, right? Because not only is it marketing to the young generation, but it also there was a marketing trend of using X a lot, right? Because you had like Vin Diesel with Triple X. Oh yeah, you had the X Games, mm. um, and then you had the BMX Triple X uh, game, which was a a Tony Hawk's Pro Skater ripoff where everyone's nude and you have like strippers in the game and stuff like that. Whoa, what? Yeah, BMX Triple X. Mm. It's a game on Xbox. Seems like, some, for mature. seems like something I wouldn't want to be doing naked. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like X is X was a big um a big thing. DMX. Yeah, DMX, yeah, DMX was, the yeah. the rap group Onyx. <laughs> <laughs> just just riffing here. Uh but yeah, so, so Death Machine had a bunch of notable people in it, or a couple notable people. Um our homeboy OG uh Brad Duraf is the main villain. He plays like the maniacal Trent Reznor looking inventor guy that created the death machine to begin with uh he's got a really bad wig um but otherwise it's a terrible wig he's he's a great maniac though he, he always he is. is he yeah is. that's his kind of bread and butter also this is if you're familiar with um kind of famous character actor richard brake uh it is his first feature film role uh richard brake if that name doesn't ring a bell you've seen him before he's the acid cook in mandy he was joe chill in batman oh, begins right, that's right. he was the pre-transformation night king in game of thrones he's been in a bunch of rob zombie movies anyway he has a very uh interesting looking and villainous looking face and he's in a ton of stuff wait the night king is he the guy that is transformed by brad duraf as the <laughs> in what wait just keep going no, no, no wait keep going you Brady. said lord of the rings right I, I said uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, shit. I, Lord of the Rings is on the brain. Cut that out. That's <laughs> Leave it in. Leave it in. No, if you remember, there's the part where there's like the, the children of the forest or whatever, and they stab a guy with yeah. a piece of yeah. obsidian. Uh -huh. uh, or was it Onyx? I don't know. Um, <laughs> and he becomes the Night King. Richard Brake is the is the poor bastard that gets stabbed. To be, that becomes the Night King. That's cool. Yeah. Wow. So anyway, it's his first movie role. And... There's a bunch of in-movie jokes where it's obviously aware of the other movies it's ripping off. So, for example, some of the characters are named Sam Raimi. Some are named John Carpenter. Mm -hmm. One character's name is Waylon. Another is Yutani from, you know, the mm -hmm. Alien franchise. Mm -hmm. uh, Richard Brake's character is named Scott Ridley. So, anyway, there's, very it's very, very aware. Having said all that, um, it's not a great movie. The, the images on screen look cool. He's mm -hmm. obviously doing something interesting with the light and the color of the movie, which... I think pays huge dividends in Blade. You really see his kind of look in Blade that mm -hmm. he was maybe developing still in Death Machine. Uh, so Josh is right. We did watch a number of movies this week, but um, I we went back to revisit Earth Girls Are Easy. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like 1988 weird, quirky genre film about three aliens that come down and uh, party in LA with Gina Davis for a little while. And... Um, and it's got a great cast: Gina Davis, Jeff Goldblum, Jim Carrey, Damon Wayans. Uh, it's Michael McKean. Michael McKean, yes. It's it's got a really what was that Angelique? What was that one girl? Oh, Angeline. Angeline. Yeah, she's a cameo. Yeah, so uh, she was the Billboard like she got famous from Billboard ads in the eighties and oh, in cool. LA. Nice. 
Um, she basically looks like Charo. Yeah, like like big, like Barbie and Charo and yeah. Yeah, like yeah, came together in just this big boobed pink Corvette <laughs> thing. She's amazing. Um, and that's just like such a delight. I remember like watching it because they had it on repeat on Comedy Central years ago, mm-hmm. and I remember watching it when I was really young and not getting the goofiness of it. And we watched it on what's that network? The um, Comet. We watched it on Comet. Never heard of that one. Comet. It's a really low budget streaming channel. Yeah, cool. it's it, the commercials are way too long, but it, they always have like really goofy B movies on it. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so Earth Girls was easy. Earth Girls are easy was on. Funny movie. Uh, Jeff Goldblum is just so babely. Just, just. So, mm. so I remember that. Okay, so the aliens come down. They're so they're like blue, red, and yellow, and they're all furry. They look like Teletubbies with fur. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And then they sh- shave. Yeah, that's all they do, right? They shave, or is there other I, some other chemical process they, in the hair? They salon? put them in a tanning booth. So tanning booth and shaving. That's oh, all yeah. it took. Yeah, and it's and then they're just like three hot dudes, and they go out and they seduce all the ladies of L.A. and and everything. Everything because they have the, they have the power to like make people fall in love or yes. orgasms or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they have this like love spell that they can do on people, and everything is is real kitschy, and everything is hyper colored, and all the women look like Madonna, and they have like yeah. big weird plastic jewelry and goofy outfits, and there's musical numbers. Yeah, Malibu Barbies, just as far as the eye can see. And then these, it's it's just a funny movie. I love this movie. Yeah. It's, it's a great party movie. If, if California was actually like that, everyone would live there. <laughs> everyone. Her next, her old lady next door neighbor that has like that crazy beehive. Yeah, with the hat like, that goes over the beehive. Yeah, that's like, that's like painting the spacecraft in the backyard. I'm like, oh, is that me in 40 years? There you yeah, go. Yeah, I found it. This is my aesthetic. That's what I'm going for. <laughs> cool. Uh, it was. It's just fun. It's just a cute ass movie. Now, isn't isn't that the movie that Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum met each other before they hooked up? Did well, they hook I, up? Well, hang on a second. Yeah, because <gasps> did, what didn't the fly come out before Earth Girl? Oh, you're right. Movie? You're right. Because yes. they worked before on That's the fly. Right. That's right. Yes. Oh my god. You didn't know they were a couple? No. Uh, They're the right size long? for each other. They're That's both true. very tall. How long were they together? This is a celebrity gossip page. Celebrity gossip podcast. Oh my god! They only made it three years. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> That's what marriage is all about, baby. Three so, three years. That makes me so happy. One and done. <laughs> Everyone needs a first marriage. So. <laughs> yeah, the fly was eighty six. They got married in eighty seven. Okay, they got married the year of my birth. So they, they were yeah. smashing while they were filming the fly. Oh hell yeah! While he was in the makeup. What's that? <laughs> yeah, while he's in makeup. Oh, Can we do any when he's like, uh, 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 Brendel, uh, Brendel fly. Uh, I'm like, okay. Your weird wiry back hairs. Come here. Oh boy. Nuts. Yeah. So that was, that was my movie of the week. How about you, Brady? Uh, I watched the new, uh, Blu-ray release put out by Vinegar Syndrome of LA Wars from 1994, which is a straight to video, uh, action piece where there is a Italian and a Mexican uh, mafia cartel situation in LA where they're fighting each other mm-hmm. and this undercover cop who looks like oh, you said he looked oh, like you said no, he looked he like looks, Mel I'm Gibson. sorry I had to remember what the yeah, picture was uh, he looks like a low budget Mel Gibson right mm-hmm. with exceptionally large teeth like <laughs> horse, teeth. horse teeth yeah chompers I was in the middle of watching the movie and I turned to my wife and I was like I swear his teeth are growing uh, <laughs> <laughs> as the movie went on 
So yeah, it's this is this is straight to video horseshit um, production, but it actually kind of transcends the production with the number of squibs. So there's a lot, a lot nice. of oh. gunfights. Nice. There's some good overacting that actually is a lot of fun. I do love some squibs. Um, there's a random sex scene of two people who have nothing to do with the movie who are mowed down by Uzis. Just wanted to show a naked woman get shot get shot by a newsie. Production value. Yeah. Uh-huh. There's a car that goes off of a ramp on fire and turns over. Is there a man on fire? Of course. And there's a man on there's fire. There's always Ba-boom. a man on fire. Ba-boom. Always. Yes. That's actually right in the trailer. There's a, a person who's strapped to a chair that they light on fire. That's <laughs> right. Yes. That's right. I remember saying, I was like, that's a new way to do it. I yeah. haven't seen that before. Yeah. I mean, Uzis, car flipping, men on fire. That's, yeah. I really did. I, I watched the trailer and it looks like a lot of fun. It really mm-hmm. did feel like the whole film in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. High-waisted jeans. Nice. So the dude wears the classic, like, early 90s, like, Jean-Claude Van Damme thing where it's like, you've got the, like, Are athletic tee. Yes, they're pleated mm-hmm. and they're high-waisted. And then he's got the, like, the sports, like, tank. Hell yeah. Uh, you know, where it's like up to, up to here. What? With the it's like top. a pseudo zoot suit kind of a thing. Yes. Yeah. Oh uh-huh. my God. I wasn't reading my mind I, on this one. It's a total look. Yeah. yeah. What else? Uh, a police chief who is like the precursor to the mayor from The Wire. Shit. That, mm-hmm. kind of, that guy. Mm-hmm. Nice. And then the city commissioner or uh, so, somebody from the, the city that she's just chewing the scenery. She's like throwing chairs around and getting upset. And it's like, well, lady, your, your suit's bigger than your entire body. Like, calm down. Like, I mean, it's 94. So that yeah. was that sort was of like, like peak shoulder pads. I feel like even then I was aware that this was a bad look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you can see like the the fabric creasing on the the seam of the shoulder pad, like yeah. flexing, mm-hmm. yes. as if it's like yes. an NFL's like sh- you know like body armor. Yes. I never understood shoulder pads. I remember like going in my mom's closet when I would like put her shoes on and stuff like that, and I'd be like, "What a cute sweater!" And they all had fucking shoulder pads. I'm like, "Why is this a thing? <laughs> Why is this a thing?" I mean, I don't. Generally, I'm pro shoulder pad, but it's it, you can only take it so far, right? Especially when as like a Christmas sweater, I'm pro shoulder pads. I don't know. Well, and also when you, to, to Josh's point about going too far, when you have a woman who's supposed to be the person that's in charge of everybody throwing a temper tantrum and she looks like a little, little girl in a, in a business suit. Mm. Um, yeah, it definitely detracts from her message. It's like, like talking heads business suit. Yes, totally. <laughs> yes, totally. <laughs> And Absolutely. you may find yourself as the regional ombudsman of the city council. <laughs> totally. Good, good call. That's totally what it felt like to me. So. I do check. Uh, I do recommend checking it out. It looks like it's actually streaming on Prime, um, even though the Blu-ray just came out. There's some special features on there that might actually be interviewing the cast. That's how amazing Vinegar Syndrome's been, as they track down all these obscure ass people and movies, and that's great. Put together special features that are like, so what were you thinking twenty twenty five years ago? And they're like, I never expected to be here. You know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my shift is up in like, you know, half an hour. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. So, yeah, recommend that one if you are into cheesy ass action movies. So, I am into cheesy ass action movies. Yes, this this is a Josh movie for sure. Yay. Yes. We've been having, I, I, I now have to, now that Josh and I have our very distinct styles that we're mm-hmm. very comfortable with, we, we have been gracious about trading back and forth between some acid ripping uh fucking crazy ass action films mm-hmm. um or or some like blood splatter creature feature yeah I'm, I'm comfortable with our situation it's a it's not i would say a delicate truce no <laughs> no but it's, it's a well-established entente 
Yes. As long as we, we just try our best to keep it even, I think. I think uh, I could learn a thing or two from the two of you because I'm always like, hey, do you want to watch this 70s Japanese movie? <laughs> no! And, yeah, I'm like, why? <laughs> and then I stew while we watch The Crown. Or <laughs> The Crown was good! No, the Crown's amazing, that yeah. was a good truce yeah. for us. Hey, Brady. Hey, Allison. <laughs> or you would. <laughs> no, I thought you were going to say something else. Do we have a voicemail? We do have a voicemail. As a reminder, you can leave us a voicemail at sod6.net slash voicemail. Uh, today, we have one from a listener named Wayne. Hi. Hi. How you doing, huh? Sean Bonet, you fuckers. Really? Way to make a man fucking upset while he's drinking his eggnog, you fucking <laughs> bastards. You two and the lady over there. Hi, Wayne. Hi. Hi. Ah, uh, yeah. So as a guy who has a child who is autistic and on the spectrum, uh, I always hated the fact that people would kind of monsterize a little kid, you know, her brother, for maybe that he killed her because of his autism. I never liked that. You know, those fake doctors on TV. Those fuckers constantly bringing that shit up. No offense. An interesting film. We'll go see it. But I don't particularly have any interest in bringing up that whole story of uh, John Bonet because it's pretty fucking bummer. Bummer. You know, it's it's a bummer. I don't know. Santa Claus from uh, 64, 63, the Madison Santa Claus film. One of my favorites. Love it. I watched it when I was a kid through the <laughs> MST3K thing what? and then the Blu-ray came out. And oh I love the film. The unedited Mexican version is fucking phenomenal. I know you guys are not going to watch that. You're going to watch the edited version with the dub because you can make sense of it. But it's fucking brilliant. Beautiful. I don't know what to say. Uh, I don't know. I think I have no more time left on this fucking recording. But uh, yeah, uh, thanks for bringing me down. I had to do it. <laughs> I just feel crushed. And uh, maybe the Santa Claus film will make me feel better. I already watched it twice this fucking December because I have the Blu-ray. It's just a beautiful fucking film. And really nice that you guys are on Happy 40. 40, Happy 40 episodes. Bye. Well, thank you. I want to clarify that it wasn't our stance that because of his autism, Mm -hmm. that's why there's a theory more so that Burke, like any brother or any older brother, because I can attest to this, had a temper tantrum and may have severely hurt his sister Again, I can attest to this situation. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I thought you, I thought you clarified that on our last episode okay. of just saying like, hey, this was a thing that was in the the zeitgeist or part of the narrative. Yes, but yeah, I think we explored the whole gamut of yes. situations. So ultimately, nobody fucking knows. But yeah. I will say, this is the most negative feedback we've ever gotten. I know, right? <laughs> we're, we're getting we're getting some spicy comments on social media. Yeah, like it, it, we never get that kind of stuff. And uh, obviously, Wayne, we really appreciate you calling in. And uh, um, always, always the thoughts on Santa Claus. I <laughs> are we talking about the same movie? Is really the question in my mind. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but uh, again, thanks for thanks for calling. Yeah. We always love when you call in. We love you. Hope you're doing well. Merry Christmas. All right. Well, that's going to take us to our feature film, Santa Claus. Let's listen to a trailer before we dive into this wonderful piece of artwork. <laughs> yep. It's like living a storybook adventure beyond your wildest imagination. From the North Pole of Fantasyland comes a feature-length fable with the most enchanting characters in the whole wide world. 
headed by the white-whiskered fellow who's the granddaddy of them all. Now, a magic motion picture transports you to an over-the-rainbow land, past the doors of Santa's towering castle, and the strange, mysterious, all-seeing eye, into a fantastic crystal laboratory filled with weird and wonderful secrets no one has ever seen before. You'll see them all, and you'll discover how Santa can watch every child on Earth and every good or bad thing they do. Now meet Merlin, the Wizard of Wizards, the Miracle Man of the Ages. Two for the show. Away we go. Hurry, Mr. Merlin. This is no time to play horses. Come face to face with the devil himself, a mischievous demon determined to mess things up as much as he can. It's yours. Nobody saw you take it, Lupita. They have more and they won't miss it. What does one little doll matter? All right, Santa Claus from 1959. Santa Claus, towering above Earth in a crystal palace, goes toe-to-toe against a devil named Pitch, who is sent to Earth by Lucifer to ruin Christmas. Joining Santa are his friend Merlin and a wide cast of children from various countries and regions. Santa and his superhero utility belt of spells and concoctions set out to convince children of the world to be nice to each other. Will Santa prevail? Or will Pitch turn children against Santa? Will Santa's reindeer turn into dust, leaving Santa to starve to death on Earth? Will Santa be shot or torn to pieces by a dog named Dante? Will Jesus take undue credit for the miracles that Santa conjures up? With this movie, have I destroyed all goodwill that I've built with Josh and Allison? (laughs) Let's find out. Oh, boy. You know... um this movie's garbage. This, this is, this is going to be a super short episode because there's just nothing to talk about in this movie's crap. But I will say this, just to, as a in terms of the, the goodwill thing. So I don't know if it's Vinegar Syndrome or who put it out, but that Dial Code Santa Claus movie, which mm-hmm. we watched on Thanksgiving, yeah. that's been making the rounds under a lot of different people's radars. Yeah. A lot of people are watching that for the first time, or at least they're covering it. Mm-hmm. And that is a really fun, interesting movie to cover because it does kind of like... Uh, combines like home alone and like horror aspects of christmas die hard or not die hard Hard. yeah Yeah, die hard rambo like all that stuff uh but in terms of like the the just the the pure like the boiled down fuck you energy santa claus is way better (laughs) (laughs) if you really it's like dial code santa claus or pierre noel or 335 3615 whatever it's called yeah is actually a watchable movie uh if you really want to torture your friends santa claus from 1959 <laughs> is the way to go you're saying i tortured you i'm I, saying i trust you a lot less than he warned us he warned no, he warned brady warned us he was like oh this is the movie i'm picking it's a bad movie and we're like yeah yeah, yeah we're, we like bad we're movies totally, yeah. we're like pull out our little cap guns we're like shabang shabang he's like <laughs> No, I'm serious. No, no. I'm it's, so it's not like we weren't forewarned about what was going to happen. Good. But when we went, when we sat down and watched it on mm-hmm. Thursday, mm. and and it's getting started, and I'm like, I'm like, you know what? It's fine. It's a kids movie. It's going to be fine. Like I I don't suspect that this should be any worse than any other film. Like I can sit in with this. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. totally fine. And then Josh had read that it was on a list of it's the 80th movie on a list of 100 worst movies ever made (laughs) and i'm thinking like okay there are so many goddamn movies Mm. that the fact that this even made a list is pretty notable Mm. 
And I have to say, oh God, it's, <laughs> it's, it's so excruciating. It is. Yes. Excruciating. excruciating is a good word for it because every scene just takes so much longer than it needs to. Oh my like, God. Eh. It's, it's true. It's, it, it's like it's over prepping the audience for mm-hmm. something very obvious. Yeah. Constantly. All the scenes last. They two, all take about 45 times. minutes. Totally. Every it's, scene, every shot is 45 minutes long. I, I mean, I think I wrote in Letterboxd, like, how to make an hour and a half feel like menopause. <laughs> it's just so poorly paced. Yes. And it feels so much longer than it actually is. Yes. I think that is the easiest way to describe the feeling that you have when you watch it, where you are, your soul escapes your body. <laughs> Mm-hmm. and any excitement or energy that you had from your day where you put in a good good shift at work, you made sweet love to your to your partner, you you gambled, you know, successfully with your sports team in Vegas. Mm. Whatever endorphin slash dopamine rush that you got from that day's activities is completely obliterated if you watch this movie. This yes. is like this movie has the same effect. As like if you were to talk to your one friend who's com- like constantly pessimistic. Mm-hmm. Oh, where, yeah. Where you're feeling really good beforehand and then like halfway through you're like, how much? It's got it's only been 10 minutes. It, this movie has like a really strong like psychic vampire kind of energy to it. <gasps> totally. It, it is a draining movie. Mm-hmm. It is. Yes. I've just because of my job, like I have had to go through this. Thankfully, it's not annual. But every time like we get like a, a shift change at like a senior level, we have to rewatch certain safety training videos. Oh yeah. And I've been, I've watched a 45 minute long uh, safety training video on how to properly use a ladder. And I would, <laughs> I would rather watch that movie than Santa Claus, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Santa Claus is 90 minutes. Uh, I think 93 minutes in its, in its length. Talk about 93 hours. Am I right, guys? <laughs> am I right? Ah, yeah. In its length, you are treated to about 10 to 15 minutes at the very top of the movie to one very specific group of children trying to set up the fact that it is Santa Claus watching over the world. So in other words, like <laughs> almost what, 10%, 15% of its, of its length is this one scene where Santa is oh, at right. an organ, yeah, pumping away on the organ? Yep, Santa's just pumping away, um, pumping and pumping, <laughs> pumping that organ. That's got all the beeps and the boops and the lights, and and on his organ it shows like the country, and it's like, oh, here's the children from France, and it's like little children with baguettes, and it's like, oh, here are the kids from Italy, and it's like, oh, it's the little uh, Venetian uh, boat dudes with the yeah. little cardigan or sweaters like wrapped around them. Uh, kids from Africa? Kids from Africa oh, who all Jesus look like... Jesus Christ. And they're dressed up like a Bam Bam Rebel from Flintstones. Yep. Yeah. With um, bones in their hair? Yeah. Come on. So it's dipping in and out of like naming specific countries and then it's like, oh, we just are going to hand wave around Africa, South America, mm-hmm. Central America. The Orient. The Orient, which apparently is India, India slash yeah. the <laughs> just, Middle East. Just say yeah. India. Yeah. Canada doesn't exist. No, they don't. They're just the step step <laughs> brother of of the U.S. Um, well, but yeah, I, just imagine imagine the most cliche offensive thing that you could dress a child up with for a particular country's it's, representation. It's the small world, right? Yes, absolutely. It's the small world after all. Yeah, 
it's like a hundred percent. You, that's what I felt like. Is you're 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 in your little boat, and it's just that song playing over and over and over again, with like little animatronics dressed mm-hmm. in you know like traditional garb of whatever country yes. they're from, and it was just like oh boy, it was bleak. It was, and like half the kids looked bored out of their fucking gourds. The kids like half of them couldn't sing, so it's like. <laughs> Just put kids in the fucking movie who can sing. You know, it's like anything. Just give me something to hold on to. Mm-hmm. And then at least at the like the very end, it ended with Mexico. Which, by the way, um, Rene Cordona, the director, he's from or he's from Cuba, but he this was filmed in Mexico, so he's a Cuban Mexican director. Uh, so Mexico is safe for last, and the kids are standing in front of their table of toys because the whole conceit of this is like, hey, the kids from all over the all over the world are like making their toys with Santa in collaboration with Santa. Yes. Right. And Mexico's right. table is just stuffed to the gills with like fucking puppets and little toy cars. Nice. And it's like those, those Mexican children, all I'm saying is they produce more toys than the other kids in this movie. Well, I, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, a couple of the main kids were actually characters in Santa's workshop. So the the, uh, little, yeah. the little rich redheaded boy plays a Russian boy in Santa's <laughs> workshop, um, who at the end was like, Santa, I have mm-hmm. the book of names. And he's like, I'll remember, <laughs> silly child. He's like, I'm just going to put it here. Uh, yes. Like- so I mentioned the ladder training video. <laughs> <laughs> and Santa Claus's movie is almost like a training video for kids that don't know about Santa yet. Like they establish all the major tropes. Like he is for all the kids all over the world. He can see everything. He can be everywhere. Like they basically, if you've never, if you have no idea who Santa Claus is, this movie is a training video for Santa Claus. That's a really good point. So the reason why that's the case is that in Mexico at the time, you know, it's heavily Catholic and in Mexico in particular, Santa Claus wasn't really... Oh, that's right. Because the tension between who is this holiday celebrating? Are we celebrating Santa Claus? Are we celebrating the Christ child? Correct. So all the tension and all the things that are going on in the movie where it feels like, hey, this is on the nose. It's because they're trying to explain to the core audience of the movie who Santa Claus is. Well, Mm. they do an extremely thorough job. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) They turn over every rock in this. Any question... Right. A child might have. Yes. Like, what if I just like stay up all night and wait for Santa Claus? And they explain how he's got his sleeping dust. You're going to go to sleep. He'll dream of pleasant dreams. He's got a disappearing flower that he smells. And this disappearing flower that he smells is concocted with powders and potions from Merlin. This is further evidence as to the fact that they're trying to explain why Santa Claus has magic powers. Because instead of just saying, oh, he he's magic. They had to represent somebody that the audience would know is a wizard or has magic. Mm-hmm. Say like, hey, you have Santa's magic is coming from Merlin, basically. Well, now, an aside, mm-hmm. I recently watched a show called The Monsters Among Us. Uh-oh. And they had an episode that I pulled up about demons. And there is a class of demons that the Incubus and Succubus lie under, as well as Krampus, uh, where they are... Demons who have had, who have mated with humans, and now they have these things called daemons, who are kind of these like cross magical creatures. I think, and Josh brought this up, and I agree that Santa is a daemon. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> well, that does not explain why Lucifer is asking Pitch, the devil, in this to. F- compete or battle it out with Santa? Are you saying that Santa like fell from well, Lucifer's grace? Well, 
Well, no. I, um, hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Give me a second to formulate an answer. <laughs> so that unrelated, but also related, that brings me to the, the on paper description of this movie, which sounds heavy metal as fuck. I know. It's like Lucifer, King of Hell, dispatches his minion pitch, the devil, to kill Santa Claus and turn the children of the world evil. That sounds and awesome. Santa Claus from, quote, outer space. Right. Yeah. And had I read that, yeah, had we read that separately and not known about the movie, I'd be like, okay, we're watching this yeah, that, that right fun. now. Mm-hmm. Mis- misrepresented. That's true. So the other thing that can, I don't, why am I treating this movie so seriously? Because it's, it's because re- this it, podcast demands, uh, or this podcast <laughs> respects everybody. God. And this podcast Lord. demands respect as well. Okay. Second part's true. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, all right. How's this, Brady? How did you arrive at this movie? Like, where's where's your journey to get us here? Please respond. Take all the time you need. I was a 15-year-old boy. I think I probably just through osmosis picked up the Mystery Science Theater episode. Ah. You know, my next-door neighbor, he was the first kid I ever knew who had satellite TV. Mm. And, yeah, this is like 94, 95 the same yeah. year that L.A. Wars and Death Machine came out. <laughs> Very good. And the Mystery Science Theater episode was 93. So I think, yeah, I think I probably just subconsciously absorbed it. Ah. But also, I mean, a little sausage making with the show. I mean, trying to pick something that was consciously not like the things that we've picked. Understood. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd heard about this movie and I was like, I don't know. That looks that looks weird and dumb. Yeah. So That's fair. Yeah. Osmosis, weird and dumb. Got it. Okay, cool. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to give. I don't want to totally shit on the movie. I will say. What are you talking about? Listen, <laughs> free listen, reign. Listen, listen. I will say that their art department and makeup department. Oh, did a great job. Yeah. Yep. Now the guy, the guy who plays Santa, mm-hmm. is uh, Jose Elias Monero. Mm-hmm. Monero, but he has a much more angular face. He's still very jolly looking. He's got a great smile. They did prosthetic makeup on him, on his nose and his cheeks mm-hmm. to make him look like the American caricature of Santa. Yes. And it's perfect. Perfect body, perfect face. They did a great job. And I have to say for as excruciating as the film <laughs> is, they did a great job with Santa's workshop. Santa's like cosmic neverland ranch castle mm-hmm. um it's yikes the yeah the all-seeing eye the weird the all-hearing mouth that speaks back to the kids yep. in the workshop it's cool it was really cool i think there were animatronic animatronic reindeer were really cool yeah um there so in this the the reindeer are actually toys that santa has to wind up and so they actually they solved a really good problem of santa mm-hmm. flying from his castle through outer space yep uh, is that they have toy reindeer, and so they did. A, they just strung a little toy of Santa. It, it, it. They did a good job as far mm-hmm. as like the effects go, as far as the set design, the makeup, um, the lighting and scenes. Which, yeah. By the way, the cinematographer was a fashion photographer. It shows. Yeah. It shows. I. So I want to give credit where credit's due. Like Josh is, <laughs> Josh is rubbing his step. Oh yeah, like I'm about to start sweating. <laughs> God damn it. But like, if we're if we're gonna give it some positive attributes. Um, I think its heart was in the right place. 
Well, sure. I mean, like, there's got to be there's a place for for movies like this. Like, oh, hey, I'm I'm you know, grandma. I got to take my grandkids to go see a movie. Yeah, it's got to be wholesome. It's going to be about this. You know, it's like it's got to be. It's got to check all the boxes and be family family friendly and all that stuff. But that's like just putting the bar so low. If you could just get your toddler to glaze over for an hour and a half, do you know how good that is for parents? It's probably really great. So, <laughs> I mean, not to mention that if this is playing in the background, it feels like six hours. Yeah. So I just I just want to say that there are positive technical attributes about the movie. Mm-hmm. You know? Yes. You know? So, I do know. Well, like a lot of movies where there were, you know, there are talented people working on this thing, you know, undoubtedly. Yeah, we have we have Fernando Zamaripa, who was the hairstylist and did the hair pieces and Santa's Santa's hair and, and beard and everything were awesome. Pitch is Pitch is very cartoony looking. He's mm-hmm. in he's in basically like a red jumpsuit with grease paint and a black goatee. He's a very classic. Yeah. Uh, like, 1950s looking devil. Yeah. It, it, you know, with like the tiny hooves, which I thought was cute. Yep. Uh, and I love how he prances around, which clearly shows that he's like a dancer or some uh-huh. sort. Of, yeah. He's got some moves. Yeah, yeah, there's there's definitely, there's a lot of kicks. <laughs> Lots of hops and kicks. Uh, Concepcion Zamora was the makeup artist and the set designer and surveillance equipment was Ava Fava. Surveillance equipment. Yeah, the is that protecting the studio or is that no? Is that I mean, it's, you know the Santa's surveillance equipment. Yeah, 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 the Santa's laboratory with NSA's wet dream, like yeah. watching everything, <laughs> hearing everything, omniscience, yeah, ever present, yeah. run by child labor. Yes. So. Yep. I mean, like a salad can have a bunch of great ingredients in it, and like one turd, and I still wouldn't eat it. <laughs> so, speaking of people who made this movie, we've got uh, Renee. Cardona, who's the director. So up to this point, he had already directed 75 movies um, when this came out. So he's like 35. (laughs) (laughs) One of the fun rabbit holes to fall down with this one in particular is the fact that you had Rene Cardona and then he had a junior Rene Cardona and then he had a third or trace Rene Cardona. So three generations of Rene Cardona's um, making movies. And the grandson is the one that made that Kiko. Killer Whale that uh, was created by Aliens movie that what? I that I sent you guys. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I read the description. It sounds pretty fun, but that kind of checks out because aliens are from whales. Duh. Mm-hmm. And we saw this in like a Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. Uh, so yeah, Rene Cardona, the 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 first the first of the Cardona clan. Um, yeah, he did all sorts of B movie pictures, and the one that I watched uh, in conjunction with this movie was called. Night of the Bloody Apes from 1969. It's a great title. Which the Santa Claus in Santa Claus plays a doctor who is trying to uh, basically cure his son with cancer. And he thinks, hey, my son has leukemia. He's dying. Why don't I kill an ape and take the heart of an ape and put it in my son? Naturally. To, yeah. to yeah. Can- cure cancer. And of course, an ape, ape's heart, his son's body just can't tolerate the ape's heart. And he, he turns into the guy in altered states. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Of Hell course, yeah. his version of turning into the guy from Alter States is raping lots of women. So, whoa. Yeah. Mm. There's lots of very terrifying, okay, terrifying scenes. I think we call that an oopsies. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it, the, that movie struggles. Wait with a minute. This. Does he have to kill his own son? <gasps> oh. So, <laughs> so. Good guess. No, instead, so this is where women wrestlers come into play. Oh, okay. So one of our main actors, uh, who I posted the photo on our Instagram stories, who's got the red mask on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
she throws uh, an opponent out of the ring and she concusses her and basically paralyzes her into a, in a coma. They take the woman, the victim of this wrestling crime. Wrestling based <laughs> crime. Yes. <laughs> and got to bring in the wrestling detectives. <laughs> Your honor. And go to take her heart and put it back into him to basically turn him back into a human. Whole, oh my God. You know what? The, uh, the golden age of Mexican cinema, like in the 50s, all these wrestling movies. Yes. There's a lot of great stuff in there. I, yes. I'm reading this. The title of this one is Neutron Traps, The Invisible Killers, 1965. Another oh, wrestling, yeah. wrestling film with a hot lady. Yeah. So re- wrestling. And then the other one was a lot of Aztec. Like mm. let's, let's, let's export our, you know, weird Aztec and Aztecian. I don't know. Aztecan culture and turn it into like this really nefarious thing like Aztec mummies and oh okay yeah killer women so Aztecs, the yeah, Aztecs man they like they were wild yeah wilding out so yeah so Rene Cardona I mean this this children's movie is a bit of a departure from his normal mm. B movie fare it has like the same narration fi- it has the same narration feel as like the Grinch that stole Christmas or a Christmas story, except I for say. it sounds way more like an educational movie. Speaking Train of Josh's video, la- yeah, Josh's it does. You're right. Story. You're right. So speaking of the narration, that was largely the choice of K. Gordon Murray, um, who was the king of the kitty matinee. So Santa Claus has the distinction of basically kicking off having low-priced movies for children. So all the dubbing choices, the narration choice, that was his doing. So we just talked about Rene Cardona, but in some ways, K. Gordon Murray is responsible for a lot of the artistic choices in the U.S. version. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, it was actually pretty financially successful because what he would do is he would go to different regions and do this, you know, these repertory theater screenings of like, hey, we'll show this movie for like three weeks leading up to Christmas, make money, shut it down for the next year, go mm-hmm. back. Try, and then he, as it grew and grew, he would try different regions and you'd have to get to know people in these different areas. Spirit so, of Halloween business model. <laughs> yes, exactly. So he set up shop in Miami and he bought like tons and tons and tons of rights to movies from mostly from Mexico. And so he has his hands in importing the vast majority of B movies from the region. That's pretty impressive. I mean, I, I know that that can have its own controversy surrounding it, but it's also, you know, bringing an enormous amount of cinema to people that would not have normally seen it. Yeah, he's, so, the, he's the golden harvest of Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> so instead of it being kung fu movies, he's going after the, the Mexican. <laughs> yes, the or, the surgery movies, the the wrestling movies, the devil movies. Yep, uh, fairy tales. So like he did Rumpelstiltskin, he did Puss in Boots. Which, by the way, I didn't know that was a thing before Shrek. By the way, that shows oh, really? how ignorant I am. Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, it's smart. I mean, you have despite how we feel about it or not, like uh, cinema and television aimed to children is enormously successful Mm -hmm. and is just a cash cow for anybody that's wanting to get into it. Yeah, because parents are basically hostage to their children forever. Mm -hmm. By the time that he had passed away, he had produced 60 movies um, in 15 years. 
and he ran afoul of the IRS and basically the IRS ah. seized all of his movies and then he proceeded to die of a heart attack. Oh, Jesus so, Christ. Cool. 57 years old. Um, <gasps> so this, this movie was not available for a number of years and then I think because of MST. So <laughs> Yeah. So what did you think of the, the eight movie? Oh, it had the exact same problem. Oh, really? The exact same problem of pacing where it was really? like, it's like, it's 40 minutes in and I'm like, oh, this, this movie, I get it. Like this movie is pretty cool. It's interesting. Oh, like I see this. It's probably going to wrap up. Right. And, you know, I was busy doing chores. So I was like, let me see how much uh, is left on this movie. And it's like, you have 45 minutes left. And I was like, uh, what else could they possibly cover in the length of this movie? So... Renee has got this issue in in spades. Mm, okay. I like the fact that they diffuse the class warfare issue in Santa Claus. But mm. they actually talk about here you've got this super duper dirt poor girl. She's got nothing. And Santa Claus is basically going to save her. And then you've got the rich kid who has everything. But he has like this emotional disconnect. Mm. And Santa Claus is there to save him too. So again, if you missed the first part of the training video, Santa Claus is for all children no matter what their station is. And I thought that they, because ordinarily you kind of get like a rich versus poor kind of thing that shows up in some subversive ways. Mm -hmm. But I thought the way that Santa Claus did this actually did justice to both problems without pitting them against each other, mm -hmm. which was nice. The poor girl, she wants a doll. Yeah. But she has the love of her parents. Right. The rich boy has everything he wants, but his he doesn't have the love of his parents. Right. So basically, they ha they have the opposite of basically. what each other wants. Yeah, and, and the fact that it's not like um, it's not about a haves or haves nots. It's about um, the children. It's it's like the it's a time for kids to you know feel love. Well, it's mm -hmm. also it's not that usual trope of like uh, the rich kid is the snot, you know, the the little selfish evil kid, and the poor kid is not like you know little Timmy either. Mm -hmm. uh, that they they both are good children through and through they just are in different circumstances and they both have different needs and wants yeah um that can be met through this omnipresent damon, damon. santa claus yeah um that was, God. that was pretty sweet but you know what kids don't deserve love kids who wear fucking leather jackets no they that don't that was little hoods <laughs> that was great <laughs> little bastards that was great the three naughty brothers who want to trap santa claus and take all the toys and in order to show that they're bad, have them dressed up like tiny greasers <laughs> with like the slick back hair and jeans and these itty bitty leather jackets. I'm like, yep, that's how you know. That's how you know they're little rebels. I feel seen. <laughs> <laughs> Pitch the the devil subordinate, Satan subordinate is is such a cartoon and he's there to cause mischief and cause fights between family members but also the slapstick. It's like a Tom and Jerry slapstick humor between Pitch and Santa. Mm -hmm. Like the, the whole thing where he's like, Pitch is setting the fire so Santa's butt gets burned or he'll move, oh, right. he'll move the chimney so Santa can't get down the chimney. It's a clever move. Absolutely. And then Santa like fires a little dart into his backside. So Pitch jumps around like a tiny elf, you mm -hmm. know, like it's, it's cute. It's cute. And there's a scene where Pitch is basically told by Lucifer to go to earth and fuck up Santa's shit and get uh, basically destroy his mojo. And there's that whole scene with other devils and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, so there's this little cauldron or something that like a, a stew of lava in the middle or something like that. And 
Then there's these white hooded figures, which I think they cut out of the thing that we watched. That there, it, it was longer. That was that was the I think the scene that was, it was longer, longer in Mexico. <laughs> yeah. That particular scene because <laughs> I think they nice. didn't want to like have more eerie, spooky overtones than was needed. Because uh, hmm. I think they represent the souls of the dam, basically. So oh, it's like, I oh, this, this is bleak town. Like the dancing devils reminded me of the the scene in the the dark scene in Fantasia mm. when like the mm-hmm. devils mm-hmm. come out to play at night and there are these weird little wispy smoke creatures that dance around cauldrons and they're all like like what I imagine like witches in the 1700s yeah, yeah. were doing like in the fields yeah um until like they all disappear and pitch is singled out to right to run rampant in Mexico City and he gets threatened to eat ice cream. If he can't fulfill his mission. That's right. And that's... Because that's what the movie this is. Because people identify with lactose intolerance. Also, he would die from just his hot body getting cooled down too much that he would die from hypothermia. Oh, that makes sense. That's... Both. Mm. Both. No. Nope, shit, that... shit in his pants and dying from I'm not freezing. using my imagination. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you really paid attention to this movie, Allison, you may have learned a thing or two about your imagination. I didn't, though. I, did, I gave it as much attention as it deserved before I was whittled down to nothing. If I was trapped on a desert island and I had two movies to watch, Greasy Strangler or Santa Claus, I'm watching Greasy Strangler every time. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't like the transitions of smoke between scenes? That was pretty magical. That was pretty... I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> it's just like, I, like when I think about this movie, I just want to rearrange curse words like fart, dick, butt, ass, butt, fart. Astic? Shit, but yeah, well, it's just well, it's the poetic one of the show. This is this is yeah, it's it's like holding your attention and giving you nothing. Yes, just sucking attention away from you. Yeah, draining precious life force. It did feel very long. Yeah. Wait, you didn't like the cocktail of remembrance? I did like that. <laughs> like the to be in a fancy uh, fancy restaurant and then have a magical Santa waiter in disguise show up and hand you a smoking cocktail so that you would remember your that you're a parent. Uh, the smoking cocktail, I mean, like, either my position on smoking cocktails is pretty well established at this point. Um, Haley Pele, shout out. But, uh, so yes, the smoking cocktail I thought was fun, and I thought that was a fun device for the parents to remember things. But, boy, that's just, that's just like some, that's some thin gruel for a movie that's this long. Here's an idea. Yep. So, upon the, uh, the grist mill of, of, of all of the sort of interesting imagery that could have come out of this movie... What I mean, like the, the devil's dancing. That's an interesting moment. Okay. The uh, Santa's um, NSA-inspired laboratory in the sky. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, one that's kind of a fun moment. So if I were gonna, if I were a film student putting together a montage reel, or if I were say Rob Zombie using making a music video, mm-hmm. I could chop out sections of this stuff and use it. Uh, you know, just like uh, you know the movie White Zombie or Teenagers from Mars. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. Plan 9 from Outer Space, stuff like that. There's also, there's stills in this movie that you could find in your, like, grandmother's, like, your Catholic grandmother's house. Mm-hmm. Of, like... Obi-Wan Kenobi as Jesus. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Where there, you know, there's, like, there's, like, an old postcard of, like, Santa shaming Pitch, you know, and, yeah. and, and the devil recoiling back as Santa in his seven-foot glory next to this enormous Christmas tree. Mm. And, you know, that's grandmother's way of saying, like, you need to be nice. You need to be patient. Right. You need to be good because Santa Claus is going to come after you like you're a little devil. Um, There's pentagrams everywhere in this movie. That's true. The pentagram, 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 pentagram. 
Really? Yeah. Turn turn the other way. There, there's stars. Oh, but yeah. it's the pentagram shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One thing that bothered me though, as a as a big you know continuity person and someone that's determined to get the most out of every movie, is that Merlin was not using magic to create magic stuff. He was using science. That's true. His laboratory setup was yeah. the basic chemistry set. He had like vials and like beakers and like fluids boiling and stuff like yeah, that. He's, inter- uh, he's introduced with the mortar and pestle. Yeah. So he's grinding he's, up herbs. He's making he's making stuff with science, not magic. Alchemy. What is magic but just science that's not understood? Josh. Okay. It's, all right. All right. It's alchemy. He, he didn't have like eye of newt and like frogs toads or frog tails or you know stuff like that. That was actually the nail in the coffin scene for me. Was uh, Merlin mixing these ingredients, scraping off like essence of certain flowers, and then walking back and putting the cauldron down, and the coming like. Oh, there's my brain again. Left the cauldron behind, you know, and like kept yeah, that scene takes shuffling again so long. It's a, it's it's, a thirty second aside that takes five minutes, uh huh, at least. And then you know we didn't mention like Irish Thor, who's the keymaker, oh, yeah. Keyman, yeah, Keyman, who makes so Santa has this like, um, he's a MIG welder. Yeah, he's got the. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? No. <laughs> Finish your thought. Well, he's got this like magic key that just like shocks all locks all locked doors to open yeah well, he's been working on it for a while it's 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 clear to me that he was locked in the room and santa basically was like listen motherfucker you can't leave this room until i have a magical key that can unlock Every any door. door yeah you know if we go back to son of the white mare this could be one of the brothers totally there's iron iron iron, iron yeah. worker or like mm-hmm. iron forger I, something like that mm-hmm. but he's got terrible hair pieces big big orange <laughs> burly hairy chest mm-hmm. with uh and it's it's like having like an eight foot irishman mm-hmm. like step in which is terrifying mm-hmm. step in to like give you a key and, and yell and um i'm looking at three pentagrams in this picture right now see but it's a mexican dude playing an irishman yeah which is part of the joy of this yes so God. yeah so the magic key is basically like i, I think he, they just use the mig welder because they he drags the key mm-hmm. off any surface and there's sparks of fly and it looked to me, it just looked like a mega or an arc holder. Oh, totally. Oh, like bzz, bzz, bzz. oh yeah. I do like the the random little scenes that were strangely violent. You know, like uh, Pitch talks about beating Santa's brains in, mm. and then he calls upon the powers of suburbia to basically fear this man who's trying to give their children joy with gifts. And they come upon him and basically pull rifles and guns and yeah, it was. It was like a next door moment gone wild. Like the, yeah. basically all the neighbors like got in each other's business and just ran out like in panic to confront Santa Claus who's been trapped in a tree to starve to death. Yes. Like, yeah. ha ha, you'll starve to death and the children will be mine. At the top of this, I talked about uh, Santa having a utility belt and it's no joke, right? So Merlin basically is making all these different objects to have Santa be able to be invisible or to uh, blow dust on children to like have them fall asleep or to wake up. And once he loses these artifacts, Santa's a weakling. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. He goes from like owning the entire earth and knowing his shit to just being like, I'm an old man who's stuck up in a tree, who's calling upon Merlin and Keyman. And, and the kid with the book, right? Because yeah. there's a kid with a book that becomes important, like Pedro or something. Yes, he drops the book of children's names and naughty and nice names and their addresses. Oh, the kid with the poncho? Yeah. Because uh, guy, because when when Santa Claus gets trapped, he yells out into outer space. And, yeah, exactly. And Merlin, 
Merlin, why have you forsaken me, Merlin? That's and, right. And then the kid hears in the laboratory and then goes and gets something and then like pushes it in the mouth or something and then it falls oh, yeah. to earth. That's right. I must have totally dis- yeah. disassociated in that moment. Yep. And there's even like, there's like a Sputnik reference at some point because it's 59. Sputnik. Sputnik. Yeah, the, yes. the, the Russian kids that are wearing the Ushankas or whatever, the hats, mm-hmm. or the Russian hats, the Ushankas, they come up to Santa and say, hey, why don't you use rocket technology from Sputnik? And Santa's like, no, that's not how I do it with my sleigh. Um, oh, by the way, that little Pedro kid, by the way, like he was a really famous child actor. And then when he grew up, he couldn't age into adulthood very well. And so he went to prison for armed robbery. That's every child actor. <laughs> Except Elijah Wood. Ah, uh, that's a good point. It's true. Yeah. He's the good son. Mm. Oh, Joshua Griffith. (sighs) Slam dunk, buddy. (laughs) Wait, should we do that movie? Yes. Creepy, creepy Culkin. Yeah. Creepy Culkin versus Elijah. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, that, that kid was a good actor. Lapita was a good actor. She, she was was a little sad, sad girl that wanted the doll. Yeah. Right. And her, and her mom. Yeah. Giving, uh, false praise to Jesus for Santa's work. Yes. Again, the Cold War between Jesus and Santa. Yes. She yes. she did not know which team she was on, the mom. The mom was like, hey, I'm pretty sure I prayed this gift to her. And Santa's like, no, like I brought this gift to your daughter like physically with, with my body yeah. and my children slang. workers in outer space made this toy <laughs> yeah. for the kid. Mm-hmm. Not some abstract concept named Jesus. Yeah. Mm-mm. Actually, I got the sense. No, there was a... There was a a line that Santa said that was like, hey, Jesus is my homeboy. Probably. <laughs> my, yeah, think- my youth pastor used to say that too. <laughs> did he say it or did he wrap it? You know, guys, if you really think about it, Christ is actually super metal. Am I right? With the cross and dying on the cross. Oh my God. Did they never say that to you in your youth group? No. Christ is actually pretty goth. Am I right, kids? <laughs> You're like, shut up, Chris. Wrapping the Bible. So Santa brings up Jesus, and I immediately thought of the other two palaces in the sky. I don't know if you noticed that yes. there were three. Seven, yes. Yeah. Do you think one's the tooth fairy? One's probably the tooth fairy, and one of them's probably Jesus. So there's Jesus, the tooth fairy, and Santa all hanging out in the clouds in their crystal palace. What about like uh, Asgard, you know, Thor and all that? No, no, no. He's there's in no, a different world. There's no room for pantheons. What, what, what? There's no room for, you know, one of those floating... poly, polytheistic gods. There's only room for daemons. There's only Zeus. technically Jesus is a daemon. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> because he's the child, on, let's child of a succubus? We, because what? he's How? the child of God and Mary. Oh, he's a half god. Oh, yes. I, oh, yeah. You got a good point. Uh, Are you serious? Yes. I don't understand. The difference between a demon and a daemon. Well, so demons are bad. Demons da- are demons through are and through like weird demigods, and uh, then daemons are little halvesies with the human race. It's that it's that that a e yeah letter. I forget mm-hmm. the, the how that what that's called. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Abracadabra, guys. Shit, this is so good. This is we're grasping at straws over here. Yeah. It's a delight. This is, High West whiskey. Yeah, exactly. Probably should have saved the drunk episode for this one. But no, it's all good. There's there's a couple of other little bits and bobs here that I want to bring up. One of them is that the that pitch brings up the fact that he's older than Santa. I don't know when Lucifer was cast into hell. When because like in what at what part in the Bible? That feels Old Testament to me because Jesus is a New Testament creation. 
So therefore, Lucifer, and I guess therefore his minions would be older than Christ. And if St. Nicholas is a function of Christendom, you know, then he, then he would be then much younger than, than the devil. Yes, he would be. We're taking this really seriously. We are. We are. I know that Santa said that he was at least, did he say four centuries old or something like that? I forget what he said. Yeah, but who had, where did Santa come from? Who birthed Santa? Oh, he, was, he, was, he was a man. I thought St. Nick was a Nordic yeah, creation. German. Yeah. St. Nicholas, right? Yes. It was so. from kind of... I don't know. I just I think of just fucking Vikings. I, but it's like skinny Santa, you know. You said Germany, around. Nordic is is like Norway, Sweden, I know, Scandinavia. I, I'm thinking. I'm thinking of like, well, is Krampus German? That's German. No, Krampus is Hungarian, right? I love I this. I don't know. I don't we're stabbing. Know. We're stabbing in the dark. I'm looking. At uh, progenitor of modern American Santa was born in the Mediterranean during the Roman Empire. His legend evolved across Northern Europe and finally assumed his now familiar form on the shores of the New World. Who is this ancestor of Santa and how did he change over time? In this thesis, I will... Exp- no. <laughs> uh, Krampus, Krampus is Sick. just an overall European legend. Okay. So, But my thought is that St. Nicholas came from that area because when I think of the classical St. Nicholas, he's wearing a white robe. Mm-hmm. It's a very skinny old man who walks yes. around with a sack and a tree. No, hmm. it's fat, fatty stuff. Yeah, fat That's belly. an American thing. That's the yeah. Coca-Cola thing, right? think so yeah because i thought coca-cola created like the santa as we know it Mm -hmm. that sounds right yeah so technically satan was in the garden of eden so he had already been cast out of heaven he was cast out because of the jealousy that he had towards men towards men right for god's love towards man so was he cast up before or after adam and eve or did god allow satan to go to the garden of eden to tempt eve Okay, so we're talking about like original sin and the apple of forbidden knowledge yes. parable. Had Satan already been banished? <sighs> yes. Hang on a so second. Then, so then there was no creation of man for Satan to be jealous of her? So now that story, did we just debunk the fucking Bible? I mean, I don't think we're the first. I know. Let me tell you the Mormon version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we're not going to do that. <laughs> oh. <sighs> so. Outer space robots. Well, I'm not sure. I'm certain that someone who's listening probably has a good idea and they can email us at podcast at solid6.net or leave us a voicemail at solid6.net slash voicemail. Yeah. One other thing that is of note, pun intended, is the fact that Santa's uh, going through the different letters and deciding whether or not they're a good child or a naughty child. And he's dropping the letters after he reads them into these slots. And then there's a third slot that I, I got a nice little, huh, you know, got a, huh. I don't know how you felt about that. Uh, the stork slot? Yeah, the stork slot. Oh, yeah. I, I think that's kind of fun. The kids would write Santa for different presents. And one of the one of the things that they asked for was a little brother or a little sister. Mm-hmm. And so he drops it in the slot. And the slot says stork, mm-hmm. Paris. Why was it Paris? Paris is the city of love. Is that really... Well, what, when I think of Paris, I just think of people peeing in the streets and making out. Yeah. So right. is it this because the stork is in Paris or is it because Paris is where the baby will be born? <laughs> Maybe that's where the baby is conceived. Yeah, con- that's yeah, where yeah. the child was conceived yeah. in Paris. Only in Paris. That's only where babies can be conceived. I, that makes sense to me because there's a good five to ten minute sequence at the very beginning. People where don't we have talk sex about, in Mexico. That's okay. So this is part of some, <laughs> this is some kind of legend. I'm, I'm looking at it and there's, there is some kind of like weird 
Paris connection to the stork idea. Oh, is there? Yeah, but anyway, the the the, the, the general point is like good kids, bad kids, and then so many kids are asking for a little brother, little sister that it has its own specific department. Mm -hmm. Like you're not asking for toys, you're asking for souls. (laughs) (laughs) Just so oddly specific. The other the other Santa mail sequence is where they're at the post office and it's like getting close to Christmas and one of the postmen, and they all seem like really haggard and overworked, obviously, because the time of year, mm-hmm. just dumps this huge bucket of like letters and he's like, all these letters are for Santa? <laughs> and then the guy like scoops them up into a bucket and then opens up a chute that looks like it's going to go into like the furnace, which was like, please, please. That and was, then they, that throw, they throw the bucket into the furnace but it doesn't go in the furnace. It goes, it flies like this magical stream of letters fly up the chimney in an outer space. And then they emerge at Santa's workshop and then just like blast him with like letters like, um, and Margaret getting covered in uh, baked beans and Tommy. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And Santa so, is loving it just as much as Anne Margaret's loving those beans. And I think it's, it's wonderful. Like, I was like, if they actually throw those letters into the fire, that's going to like, that could have <laughs> put a big, big Christmas smile on my face, but that's not what happened. It's, it stayed magical. Letters flying through space. Sounds like you might have a little piece of coal for where your heart is. What my problem with this movie specifically as a training video <laughs> is that it trains kids for the magical thinking that's so much bullshit later in life. <laughs> Oh, man. Be good and you'll get presents. Uh-huh. That's not true. It's not true. Mm-mm. You know, like all the all the stuff that trains us as like good little citizens to do whatever, most of it's not true. And we get just like indoctrinated from a young age. And mm-hmm. as much as as much as I hate this movie, I hate capitalism even more. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> I love you, capitalism. Um but no, I think that, that the whole magical magical thinking aspect. It's like, it's, it's, this is it. I don't know. It's a kid's movie. Yeah. It's a kid's movie. I think they're all like that. You know, it's like your, your Prince Charming's going to come one day. When, when you get married, little girl, your whole world gets better. Right. Yeah. yeah like you're just fucking set. You're the princess of your own home. Mm. Uh, guys, if you fucking don't smash that prostitute, you're, ah, whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> Wait, I, I missed that ledge when I was a kid. Like, wait, what? Your dick won't come off. I don't know. Allison's <laughs> so. perception of what bachelor's parties are is uh, a little skewed. There's just lollipops appearing out of nowhere. I don't know where they come. <laughs> Everything smells like bread dough. I don't know, man. I, I disagree with both of you here. Right. I think this movie does a good job of describing the fact that no one's happy. Everybody wants whatever... <laughs> anybody else has and we're all yeah i think i think it actually is casting a pretty pretty judging eye on wishful thinking ah you guys i you just don't, don't i don't because i don't think they thought about it that far i think we're giving the movie a lot of credit uh-huh i don't i literally think it's like an ikea catalog for santa <sighs> yeah it's it's a training video for kids to understand who santa is supposed to be yeah that's all it is we can't we can't be going into theology. We can't talk about Damons. symbolism. Damons. I know. Pentagrams. We tried. It's just not there. There's we not tried. that much to pull from. I, you know. The juice ain't worth the squeezing. <laughs> I was I was super excited because I thought, you know, if I 
said all these facts and things that Josh would get stoked, but you know, seeing how bum Josh is makes me bum. So why don't we just wrap this up? <laughs> Aww. and that's Merry Christmas. and that's the spirit of Christmas. <laughs> So I wrote a, a letterbox review, which I'm going to stand by. The worst rated movie on your list is suddenly looking a lot spiffier now. Return this immediately to the Rob Zombie clip montage garbage heap <laughs> of kitschy despair. Light the toilet on fire and flush repeatedly. <laughs> uh, what did I give Greasy Strangler? Three? Four? Yeah. I think so. Three? Three. So I'm going to give Santa Claus 1959 a half of a star. It's that's our first half star. I would rather I would rather watch the Greasy Strangler many times over. I would rather watch the ladder training video. It takes for fucking ever, and you get nothing for it. It is a psychic <laughs> vampire of a movie. I hate it. Moving on, Allison. What do you think? At first, I thought you were kind of joshing us a little bit, like when you're like you're like we're watch. It's a bad movie, and I was yeah. like, yeah, but like, and you're like, no, it's. It's a bad movie. And I was forewarned. You were totally honest about mm-hmm. it. It's fine. I started watching it and I was like, this is cute. It's not, I think Brady is overreacting, you know, because you have such a great history of that. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, but like, there was just, I don't really know what the switch was, but there's just a moment where it feels like the night you've been drinking too much yep. and it's four in the morning yes. and you're having dreams about drinking water because you're so dehydrated. Mm-hmm. Like that somehow translated into like midpoint in this film where I was like, I just, I don't know what I need, but this isn't it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. get that like flop sweat panic. Yeah. Which yeah. I assume was like 10 to 15 minutes in. So you're, you're panicking 15 minutes in where you're like, Oh no, I have to watch this movie for another hour plus. Well, I, I because I was certain we had already been watching it for at least an hour and a half. And then Josh was like, no, it's been 20 minutes. Um, it's just meant for kids. It feels like uh, it feels like a 1950s movie meant for kids. And also an Ikea instruction book on mm-hmm. how to like put something together. It's just long. It feels so long. And it's boring. And it's... I don't I don't know how to describe what I'm feeling. But the makeup is great. Agony is what you're feeling. <laughs> but the <laughs> the makeup is really good. The makeup's good, the set design is good. The ideas to get things to translate to children I thought were clever. However, I never ever want to see it again. Yeah. And for that I also give it a single star. Nice. If you've been to Disneyland, I assume you've been on the it's a small world ride. Santa Claus is a lot like that ride. And to its credit, it predates that ride by five years. However, It's a Small World is 15 minutes. Santa Claus is over 90. So imagine being stuck on the It's a Small World ride as it travels around in circles six times. Santa Claus is a curiosity. It supposedly turned a profit for a few decades as it was sent around the country every few years. Before home video, people would suffer from FOMO of all sorts of things, and this movie benefited from that scarcity. There are interesting ideas here. The Pee Wee Playhouse-like observatory, the fantastical sets, the hybrid of Santa Merlin, the devil, and Jesus. But ultimately, the movie is like the all-consuming waves of millions of gallons of molasses that engulfed the streets of Boston in 1919 during the Great Molasses Flood. Thank you. This movie is better than one since there's imagination at play that could be used and reused 
in better hands, and it marks an important chapter in cinematic history. Mary Schitzmiss, I give it a sedated two. Sedated two. I actually just, you reminded me, the only time I had ever been on the Small World ride, there was a technical malfunction, so I was stuck on it for a half hour. Oh. Did the music play continuously? Yes. Oh. Continuously. As the music plays. Continuously. The tape machine starts breaking. It's a small... Yeah, it was it was excruciating. So yes, I can identify. Uh, <laughs> thank you for bringing up the molasses flood of 1919. <laughs> you bet. Nobody brings that up. Yeah, it is something that I think about from time to time. Like yes. horses drowning in molasses. <laughs> it's, it's wild. Fucking nuts. Some people say that when there's a warm breeze, you can still smell the molasses. That's what I hear. Yeah. I think that's true. Yeah. Well, everybody, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, you can follow us on all the socials. Uh, tell us what you think about this movie or about our disdain for happy holidays by emailing us at podcast at solid6.net or leave us a voicemail at solid6.net slash voicemail or follow us on Letterboxd. Allison. Oh, uh, hi, I'm Bruja Jones. Josh. Josh Spaceman. And I'm Brady Kimball. You can follow us on, uh, did I already talk about socials? No. <sighs> uh, just follow us on Twitter and Facebook <laughs> and Instagram. That's, that's all you need to know. Um, Josh. Uh, for those who don't know, we all pick movies, uh, two movies, and then rotate hosting. So Josh is up next. What do we got? So our next series, kicking off the new year, uh, 2021, uh, is going to be a little bit of a retro look. We are going to be going back and looking at science fiction of the Soviet Union. Yeah! yeah. So I'm only familiar with Tarkovsky. I've seen a mm-hmm. couple of his movies. Yep. I'm a big fan, but you were bringing up another movie there's some other oh yeah yeah so we'll be definitely covering uh tarkovsky and uh we're also um i I feel like i should have pre-screened this but uh we're going to be looking at a movie it's got a couple different titles it's mostly known as uh to the stars the hard way or through the thorns to the stars Mm -hmm. anyway uh so that one and either uh stalkers or, or excuse me stalker or uh solaris Awesome. Ooh, I'm excited. Both great movies. Yeah, that's going to be great. All right, everyone. Well, hopefully this didn't sour your mood for your Christmas holidays because this should be coming out, I think, on Christmas Eve. So hopefully we lightened your spirits uh, with this total hot shit garbage movie. Yeah. Drink some eggnog. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Say hey to your mom. You you know what I mean? Oh, Joshua. (laughs) Hopefully you get all the presents you want. Hopefully you get all the love you want. If your parents don't love you, hopefully you find your love somewhere else. Santa. Santa Claus. Mall Santa. Oh, yeah. We'll see you in 2021. That's fucking wild. Oh, yeah. That's right. We'll see you next year. Yeah.